Listen, uh, my name is Bryce. We may not have met. If we haven't met, I want to meet you when we're done here today. I'm our pastoral intern. I also got the award recently for having the most energy on staff, um, which are probably, yeah, I, I made that up. That's not a thing, um, but it needs to be because either me or Pastor Faye would win it. And uh, anyway, listen, I want to start in a very unique way today. Um, before we get into the message, as Pastor Jeff said, we're going to close out the series. It's, it's, it's going to be good. God's going to speak what he needs spoken. But you know, over the past 25 years of my life that I've been here, you know, on this earth, doing my thing, growing as an individual, and even over the past six years that I've been serving here in an official context at Mount Horeb, I have yet to come across an individual leader who takes this posture right here on two knees prior to every decision, every word spoken than Pastor Jeff Kersey. And so I thought that it's fitting that we honor him this morning. Can we celebrate Pastor Jeff here this morning? There's a lot of prayer that happens behind closed doors that nobody sees. A lot of discernment, a lot has been on his shoulders, even as he's led us forward as a church family and as a church community, culminating in a decision one way or another a week from today. So I just wanna say that this morning. Pray for him, if you would, um, prior to uh, next weekend. It's gonna be an exciting time in our church. Here's what I believe before we get rolling today. God is only getting started with Mount Horeb. Um, that's what I believe. I believe that we've seen evidence even over the last couple weeks since January 8th that God is getting us ready for something amazing. God's already done so much over the past 20, 30 plus years within these walls and beyond these walls. But today as we wrap up our series, Blueprints, as we're talking about building, as we're talking about what God wants to build in our lives and even out of our lives, what he wants our lives to be about I wanna go somewhere very specific with you today as we close things out. You know, when I was in college, I've shared in here before that I didn't start out at CIU. That's where I graduated from a couple years ago, but I started out at Newberry College. Now, when I went to Newberry, the first thing that we had to do before classes even started was they wanted us to take a test. And I was like, we're, we're not even in class yet. Why would we have to take a test? Well, this test was a very specific test. It was kind of a placement exam, if you will. They said, listen, a lot of you guys have done math credits in high school at probably count towards college. Some of you have done language credits. That was me. You see, I took German in middle school and high school every single year, anytime I could. I got pretty good at German, I think so at least. And I get to Newberry, we take this test, and they say, Bryce, we want you to take the German version of this test, and depending on your score, we are going to place you in whatever German class you need to end up in. Well, the crazy thing is, I get done with this 30, 45 minutes later, okay? and I turn in my test, I get an email that day. It says, Bryce, we are here to congratulate you that we don't have a German class to offer you, okay? Because you've tested out of every one we have. That's the moment I realized I was at a fake university, okay? I'm just kidding. If you went to Newberry, no hard feelings, no hard feelings. I'm just kidding. That was the moment that I realized, wow, maybe I have actually made some progress during my German studies. You see, because starting in sixth grade all the way into you know, graduation of high school, it was a building block process year after year after year to get to where I was in German. But here today, I stand before you and I'm here to let you know that I still know how to say three things in German. I could tell you, my name is Bryce. I could tell you, how are you? And you're not gonna believe me when I say this. I could say, I'm gonna take a shower, okay? You have to know your priorities. Like, I, I, I can't forget that statement if I ever go to Germany. I'm telling you that story to really just say this, that the moment 
that we build, 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 and then walk away, all the building was a waste of time. None of it matters anymore. You see, the series that we've been in the last six weeks has gotten us to a great place to hopefully be able to look back, if you've joined us those six weeks, and say with confidence, I know what God wants to see in my life. I know what God says is the best way to do life. I have the tools I need. I'm gonna start building. Maybe you've started building your life alongside the Holy Spirit. But if all we do is build to a certain climactic moment and then forget all of it, then it's complete waste of time. I'm here to talk to you today about how do we build something that lasts? Built to last. How do we take what we've talked about the last few weeks and actually sustain what God wants to see in our lives? If you've got a Bible with you, I wanna take you to our scripture today. I'm gonna preach from the Old Testament, if that's okay, in 1 Kings chapter six. We're going to 1 Kings chapter six. I promise we're gonna hit on the New Testament as well because the Bible is both Old Testament and New Testament, and hopefully today you'll see how those coincide with one another. I wanna read from 1 Kings six. I wanna read for you three verses, just three verses as we jump in. I want this to serve as a launching pad for us as we journey through scripture together. Just to give you a little bit of context before I read, God is giving a message to Solomon. Solomon is on the throne of Israel at the time, and he is the son of David. The son of David. Maybe you've heard that name before if you haven't heard Solomon's. Solomon is also believed to be the richest man in the world's history. I was looking up his net worth the other day, and it blows Elon Musk out of the water. Not even close, like $2.3 trillion or something like that. It's insane. This is what God says to Solomon while he's building the temple the temple. Here's what he says. Then the Lord gave this message to Solomon. Concerning this temple you are building, if you keep all my decrees and regulations and obey all my commands, I will fulfill through you the promise I made to your father, David. I will live among the Israelites and will never abandon my people, Israel. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much to be in this house. We know that the Spirit's here. We have no doubt that the Spirit's here. We've seen evidence that the Spirit is here. Lord, I pray that because the Spirit is here and working and moving, you would illuminate the text to us, that we would see clearly the action step or steps that you're simply inviting us to take today. Would you make this applicable for us? Would you make it real for us that we carry out something with us powerful? to apply to our lives today. We give you the praise and glory in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are a type A individual like myself, you probably like to do two things in your spare time. You like to check boxes as much as possible, and you also like to kind of have a plan of where we're going, okay? So I wanna give you three movements that we're gonna take today in advance, so you can go ahead and write them down. Now, there might be some things that I say, I, I, I was only given about three hours for this message, so there might be a couple things that I say, so I, I would say leave some space, you know, in between the, the three points. The first one is this, remain in the presence. That's gonna be the first movement that we make today, re remain in the presence. Three steps, essentially, that I think God has for us if we wanna actually sustain what he's building. The second one today is gonna be revisit the vision. Revisit the vision. And then finally, how we're gonna conclude in a couple hours is remember the purpose. Remember the purpose. This is what the Bible says in verse 12 that we just read, just the first half of it. Concerning this temple 
that you are building, Solomon, if you keep all my decrees and regulations and obey all my commands. And then he tells them what the repercussion of that will be. You see, the greatest place that we can be as people, I'm convinced, is wherever God is. It's probably the reason that we've decided collectively and individually to come into this place today. The greatest place we can be is wherever God is. And that's actually the whole point of the temple, to allow people to connect with God. That's the very reason that, as Pastor Jeff said just a few moments ago, folks from all across the country, and believe it or not, all across the world, are driving in and flying in to a little tiny town called Wilmore, Kentucky, where Asbury Seminary is, where I attend virtually, where Asbury University is right across the street, for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people to worship 24 hours a day for the last, basically, two weeks. It's the very reason that we're here in this place today. So the question we have to ask if we truly wanna understand what God is saying to Solomon is what goes on inside the temple? Maybe you're here today and you've gone through seminary and you've done the studies to understand what goes on through, throughout the temple. But in case you haven't, I wanna give you a little bit of knowledge, just a little bit of backstory, if you will, on the temple itself. You see, the temple was a place where people gathered to encounter God in some type of way. There was a place in the temple that you may have heard me talk about before because I'm really passionate about this place in the temple for a lot of different reasons, the Holy of Holies. There was this place in the temple where it was believed by the Jewish community that God's dwelling place was here on earth. Now, the chief priests at the time were the only ones who could go back behind a curtain that separated God's dwelling place from the, pe the people, the Jewish community. It was a place of prayer. The temple was a place of sacrifice. People went to sacrifice in the temple to ultimately submit themselves to God. That's the space that God is talking with Solomon about. And it's clear within the scripture that we just read, God desires the temple stay a holy place. You see, he doesn't want this place to be defiled. He wants it to be a place like Mount Horeb, for instance, where people who are sinners like you and me can come into a holy place to encounter a holy God. That's what he wants the temple to be. But believe it or not, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a spoiler alert. Later in the Old Testament, and therefore later in history, this temple that Solomon's building actually gets destroyed. It's a crazy sequence of events, and this is what 1 Kings 9 says, if you're curious, in verse eight and nine. And though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by will be appalled and will gasp in horror. They will ask themselves, why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and to this temple? And the answer will be this. Please don't miss this. Because his people abandoned the Lord their God who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and they worshiped other gods instead and they bowed down to them. That's why the Lord has brought all these disasters on them. What I think God wants us to realize in talking with Solomon about this temple that's gonna be built is one simple fact. When God is removed from being viewed as king, that society falls apart. When God is no longer recognized as king, nothing goes well. You see, I believe that in our society today, 
That's essentially what's happening. Maybe another way to say it is that we have sought for whatever reason as a culture and society to push God as far away from where we are as we can. It's a very heartbreaking thing to watch, to see. When God is no longer king, things begin to fall apart. This concept of a temple is picked up by Paul, actually. You see, because what happens in the temple was never meant to stay inside the temple. Now, what happens in Vegas usually stays in Vegas, okay? But what, I just had to make that joke, I'm sorry. But what happens inside the temple was never meant to stay within the temple, which is why Paul picks it up. In the New Testament, he's writing in 1 Corinthians to the Corinthian church, and he says in chapter six, verse 19, these words. Don't you realize, friends, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You've probably heard this before. Paul is saying that because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us as followers of Jesus, we are in essence a temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. Therefore, Paul goes on to make it very clear, God wants us to live holy lives, pleasing to him. And the only way that that happens day in and day out is by remaining in his presence, by staying connected to him. You see, we encounter the living God every time we open this book to any page we want. And the quickest way to really struggle to encounter the living God through this book is to read something that we don't agree with anymore and tear that page out. That's the quickest way to do it. You see, I believe that in theological terms, the Bible is what's called inerrant. That means that it's without error. That's the reason that you've probably heard us say before that we believe the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, all these different authors talking about one thing in particular, God's glory filling planet Earth, God's people being connected to him, remaining in his presence. That right there, my friends, is what I believe to be the make or break for literally the rest of our lives. Regardless of whether our lives will end in the very near future here on Earth or whether they will end in the somewhat distant future here on earth. I believe that our connection or lack thereof to God's word is the make or break. Do we still believe it's true completely or have we done as some have done and decided to change it, to change what God has always spoken? It's a question that I have. I believe that when we try to do things our own way, things usually get a little out of hand, and that's usually why God will say things like, if you keep all my decrees and regulations, there will be some blessings, some, some really good things that come from that. I wanna show you a couple pictures on the screen. I found some images this week of folks who for whatever reason decided to do things their way when constructing, the, oh, I could have said stairway. Oh, that rhymes, I gotta do that for the next service. This is a stairway literally to nowhere. Um, and I have no idea who created it, I don't know. It looks like it's in a mall. Um, it's, it's a very bad picture. Let's, let's, let's see the next one. Some of these get very, very crazy. Okay, so the one on the left, it, I can kinda sorta understand. The one on the right is no privacy whatsoever in that house. Um, it's just mind-boggling that that even happened. I think there's two more. This next one, I just, it blows me away. Absolutely blows me away. 
We're tracking with you upstairs, okay? But for whatever reason, you just didn't do the same thing. I have no, I have no idea what's going on in that picture. Um, okay, and then finally, this one right here, all the motorcycle owners in the room, that's the only thing getting in that driveway. That is the only thing, there is no car. Maybe a smart car? I mean, that is just amazing. I show you those pictures to say this. When we try to do things our own way, we often fail. Every single construction project in the history of the world that was built with human hands, even this building, some way, shape, or form, there's, uh, some way, shape, or form, there's probably a flaw, somewhere. It requires some sort of maintenance to it. But God is speaking to us today and essentially saying that the easiest way for us to fall away is to do things our own way. God wants to invite us back today once again to say, if you'll remain in me, I'll remain in you and we'll do this thing together. That's what we've been talking about throughout this entire series, whether you've joined us just today or for the last six weeks. That's the heartbeat of God's message to us because God's vision for any building project whatsoever, any life represented in this room today, online or in person, God's vision is way better than our vision. That's why he says in the Old Testament that my ways are way higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So once we learn to remain in the presence of Almighty God, while we're there, we have to revisit the initial vision. Revisit the vision. To conclude verse 12 of our passage today, this is what God says. He says, if you do all these things, if you obey all my decrees, if you listen to what I've said, if you'll do it my way, I will fulfill through you the promise that I made to your father, David. I'll fulfill through you the promise that I made to your father, David, Solomon. Do you remember where you were when God found you? Do you remember the season that you were in when you finally had your eyes opened and your heart opened to experience the love of God for real? Maybe the answer is yes, and it's a very clear day that you can remember and you're never gonna forget. Maybe today, that's, that's like today for you. Maybe right here, right now is the first time that that's the case. Either way, the motivation I'm convinced that, that we need when the storms come, as we talked about in this series, when the storms come, how do we respond? The motivation that we need in tough seasons will not come from what we think God's gonna do in the future. It's gonna come from what he's already said and done in the past. That's where the motivation comes from. I remember when I was in college at CIU, I was doing a project on the Gospel of John and after I'd finished my work for that project, I, I did a little bit of a uh, experiment, if you will. I thought to myself for a few moments, what are like the top three miracles that I think Jesus has ever done? Now I'm not advising that you go home and rank miracles, okay, they're all, they're all great. That's kind of the conclusion I came to. But I searched all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I read all four of them that week and I tried to figure out what are like the top three that you, I mean, you just can't look past. Now I landed on number one being the raising of Lazarus. Like this dude is deceased, Jesus walks into the smelly tomb, holds his nose for a second and says, you need to get back up. And he does, it's crazy, it's a crazy, crazy experience. The second one I landed on was the healing of the blind man in John chapter nine. It's a, it's a wonderful story if you've never read it. But a man is blind and Jesus comes in the picture and now he can see. And then finally, maybe the time that he saw 5,000 men, not even including women and children, with only a little bit of food, 
and nobody went home hungry. It's insane to read some of the miracles of Jesus. But the conclusion I came to that the writers of the Gospels mention time and time and time and time again is actually the greatest miracle ever done by Jesus. And it's when he, for whatever reason, saved people like you and I from our eternal pain and suffering because of our sin. That's the greatest miracle that Jesus has ever done. And it's not a past reality, it's a present reality for you and I. The miracles of Jesus, the miraculous healing that takes place in our life where we move out of God's way for a moment and say, God, I, I don't wanna do this my way anymore. I don't wanna build my life off of something shaky anymore. I wanna be sustained for the rest of my life. In that moment, the greatest miracle you could ever experience happens to you in a spiritual sense. And you're set on a brand new course of life. Those are the moments that serve as our motivation in the moments to come in our future or maybe right now in our present that are tough. Where we feel like, even though I've built all this, I think I'm ready to walk away because I just don't think I can keep going. I don't think it's worth it anymore. Those are the moments when we might not need to look forward. I wonder what God will do next. I wonder what the vision that God has for my life is going into this next season. Those are all great questions but they're meaningless if we don't stop and look back and say, remember when I was there? Remember when God found me when I didn't wanna be around me? Remember when I was struggling with those things that nobody knew about and yet God brought healing because of community and God brought healing because of his spirit's power in my life? Those are the times that will keep us moving and allow God to keep building in our life. And so in David's life, for whatever reason, God brings it up to Solomon. He says, your father David is the one I want you to think about for a moment. Many of us in this room, we, we know the awesome stories about David. We know that he defeated Goliath with just a sling and a stone. We know that he was placed on the throne as king. We know that God called David a man after his own heart, a powerful statement. But in that moment, I believe that God wanted to remind Solomon of one specific promise that he made to his father David. We find it in the Old Testament book of Psalms. In Psalm 132, verses 11 and 12, I wanna read it for you. The Lord swore an oath to David with a promise he will never take back. I will place one of your descendants on your throne. If your descendants obey the terms of my covenant, and the laws that I teach them, then your royal line will continue forever. I think what God wants Solomon to hear, as he's reminded of that promise to his father David, is that the promises that God has over your life, the vision that God has over you and I's lives, were never meant to stop with us. Maybe, just maybe, this might be a crazy statement, maybe, just maybe, God is speaking something into your life so that he can build something out of your life to affect those to come after your life. Maybe it's not just supposed to stop with us. You see, David did some incredible things. But I can only imagine that at the conclusion of his life, the things he was thinking about was not just the highlights in his own story. He was probably meditating, as we see in the book of Psalms, on promises like this. That God, I know you might be bringing my story to a conclusion, but my story is just a chapter of someone else's. It's insane. That's who God is. 
And so maybe the vision that God wants us to receive in this building process is for the sake of someone to come later. Our kids, our grandkids, our spouses, the people that we work alongside. But the only way that future generations will see something to be impacted by is if our building is sustained until then. If our life is actually in a consistent process of growth until then. Because I don't know about you, but just speaking for myself, I don't wanna get to the conclusion of my time here on earth and have a ton of regrets. I wanna be able to look back and celebrate what God has done, how far God's brought me, how many people hopefully were, were impacted by the story that he was writing, by that which he was building. It's a reminder to Solomon, but it's also a reminder to us and the descendant that God is essentially talking about with David does not stop at Solomon. If you were to go to Matthew right now, the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of Luke, you would see a genealogy of Jesus Christ and the name that you would see involved in that genealogy is David and Solomon. As part of the lineage of this climactic individual, Jesus Christ in the flesh. And what an amazing story, what an amazing ending it would have been if on that Resurrection Sunday that we celebrate at Easter in particular, if on that one day, God's story would have completely been finished, that Jesus would have risen from the grave as he did, he would have ascended back into heaven, and now all had been complete. But this is what Jesus says. Jesus makes a very powerful statement in the Gospel of Matthew to one of his disciples, Peter. It's in chapter 16, it's in verse 18, and I wanna read it for you right now. He says, now I say to you, that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. You see, even aside from you and I's lives, let's take the church for a moment, capital C. Let's take lowercase c, Mount Horeb United Methodist Church for a moment. God is the one building it, but for whatever reason, he's using people to do it. He's using people who are willing to do it. It could have ended with Jesus, but even Jesus says, when I go back, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit and things are gonna get crazy. In a good way. Peter, I'm gonna use you to do it. If you read the book of Acts, just the first couple chapters, you would see evidence that that's exactly what Jesus did, what Jesus is currently doing. I believe he wants to use us to not only be involved in the church, but be the church in a world that desperately needs to hear about his way of doing things, his message, which is truly best. You see, let's take this church, for instance, Mount Horton. I believe that myself and the rest of our team here would say the same thing in regard to how long we want Mount Horeb to last for. We want the ministry of this church to go far beyond my lifespan, your lifespan. We want it to be between now and when Jesus shows back up for a second time here on earth. That's what we want this church to be about. We don't want this church to be built around any other, other individual but Jesus. But in the building process, if we don't remember our purpose in why we even started, in why we even started following Jesus, why we even started attending Mount Horeb, why we even started, then everything will fall apart. We have to learn to be in God's presence, yes, yes. We gotta learn to do things his way, truly best. We gotta go back to where he found us initially in the vision he's got for our life. 
But in all of that, we have to answer the question, why? You see, the vision tells us what God will do, but the purpose tells us why God wants to do it. And it's something he tells Solomon at the very conclusion of the passage that we read. He says, I need you to remember the purpose. He first says that um, if you'll do things my way, I will fulfill the promise that I made to your father David through you and the generations after you, your, your descendants. That's what I'll do. But here's why I wanna do it, because I wanna live among the Israelites and never abandon my people Israel. Verse 13, I will live among the Israelites and will never abandon my people Israel. You see, there is safety. There's a lot of safety in proximity, close proximity with the Almighty, there is. It's a safe place. Now, I also think I have to warn you that praying certain prayers is also a dangerous place. If you're like me, you pray for patience and then you get every red light in Lexington. It's insane. There are certain prayers that God will look at us and say, all right, you want me to answer that? It might be not what you thought. But at the same time, he's a safe, safe God. He really is. He's trying to help us see that even amidst the times we've run away from him, he's always been close to us or at least wanted to be. You see, with, within scripture, if I were to take you on a journey from the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis to wherever it ended in Revelation, what you would see is that with Adam and Eve in the garden, there was perfect intimacy between both them as individuals, but also with God, perfect. Nothing was flawed until sin came into the picture. And from then on in the Old Testament, we see that God communicates with certain leaders on behalf of his people. He's starting to get closer. He sets up a temple so that people can come and interact with him in a more personal manner. And then we get to the New Testament and we see God come in the flesh. Jesus Christ is here walking with us. God in the flesh. It's crazy if you actually think about it. But even Jesus would be in this town over here while these people in this town over here were waiting for his arrival. He was limited by his physical body. He couldn't be in more than one place at once. And that's why Jesus says in the Gospel of John, it's better, trust me guys, it's better that I go away. Because when I do, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. He's gonna convict you of the truth. He's gonna lead you down the path of everlasting life. He's gonna always be there. You're never gonna have to try to find God's Spirit. If you decide to follow Jesus Christ, God's spirit lives inside of you. That is insane to think about. It's a radical statement that Jesus makes. But all of that proximity, all of those steps that not we took, but God took first toward his people are meant to culminate in the second to last chapter of the entire Bible. Revelation 21, one verse, verse three. I wanna read this for you. The writer says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne, this is prophetic, this is futuristic, saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, they will be his people. God himself will be with them, their God. What a day that's gonna be, one day. You see, we have the Holy Spirit with us right now, but for whatever reason, God is giving us the blueprints in advance for what will come even in the future. What a day it's gonna be to see our Creator face to face. Amazing. 
maybe today you've come in and you haven't really been a part of this whole series, or maybe you have, but you just don't feel like you're super close to God right now. And actually, that's the reason you're here. You're trying to figure out, like, I wanna have that experience. I wanna know what it feels like to be doing things God's way, talking to Him daily, understanding what He says in His Word. I wanna know what that feels like. The step that you took today, believe it or not, was not the first step in the process. The first step in the process was God's steps that He's already taken toward you. He's given you the invitation to come today. And if I had to sum it up for you, I would say this. God's plans and God's ways, they, they do not fail. If there's one thing I know about God, it's when He promises to do something, when He promises to build something, when He promises to be someone in your life, He will follow through. He doesn't have any flaws like you and I. However, our plans do fail pretty consistently. So if we want our lives to last, if we want our lives to mean something, if we wanna be able to look back and see what God's built in and through our lives, that it didn't just stop with us and it didn't just affect us, what we have to do is we have to take the building contract of our lives and we have to sign it over to someone else. Our names can't be the only name on that contract anymore. See, I will never forget the day, maybe some of you were a part of this when we did this. I was in ninth or 10th grade at the time of this story. I'll never forget the day that this stage wasn't here, the chairs weren't here, the cameras weren't here, the ceiling was kind of sort of maybe here, and there was an open air building right where we're sitting and standing today. As we were building this very building, I remember that the church, before I was on staff, invited the congregation to come, and they said, we wanna do something cool. We haven't laid the ground yet, we haven't put the floor down yet. We wanna provide Sharpies to you, and you can come write whatever you want. You can sign your name, you can write something cool if you want, it's on the ground, and hopefully it'll be a memorable experience. I remember that in that season of my life, I was caught in some very destructive things. I was not wanting to be here. I showed up on Sunday mornings. I showed up on Sunday evenings for high school ministry, but then I would just go my, go my own way, go and do my own thing. I wasn't even asking the question, how do you get close with God? I didn't wanna be there. I was afraid he might find out what's going on behind closed doors. Everything would be ruined. In that season of my life, my family and I came and I remember we walked into this room. We could have picked absolutely anywhere to do what we were gonna do. And my mom, I remember my mom saying very distinctly, I want you and your brother to come in and just sign your name, maybe write a Bible verse or something that you will forever remember. And I remember exactly where it was, it was right over here. Right here. If I were to tear up the stage for you, if I were to tear up the ground for you, you would see Bryce Holman written very, very bad because my signature is tragic. It's just a big BH, that's all it is. But it's right here. And I remember the first time I ever preached in this room, I, I thought back to that moment. I was walking around being crazy like I normally am. And I remembered that very moment right here is where for whatever reason, all I did was sign my name. And I saw it as absolutely nothing. I went about my day. I went and did my own thing. But once there came a point in my life where I had something to look back on and God for sure transformed me and I started having a new identity, I looked back on that moment. And I laughed a little bit. It's like, God, without me even knowing, you took the building contract for my life and you allowed me, you invited me to give it over to you. That's exactly what happened. 
It's insane to think about now. To look back and see how far God's, God's brought me, how much he's done building what he's built. I believe he's not done with my life nor yours. If you're breathing, there's a purpose behind that. I believe that here today, maybe just maybe God's asking you to do the exact same thing. Say, God, I, I don't wanna do it my way anymore. I really don't. I don't wanna have regrets when I get older. I don't wanna have regrets at the end of my story, at the end of my life. I wanna build something that lasts for longer than my life does. God says to Solomon, build the temple, but it's not so that Solomon alone can encounter God's presence. It's so that people can encounter God's presence for generations to come far beyond Solomon's life here on earth. It's the same story that he wants to write in ours today. It's the same type of building process he wants to embark in our lives, and today you've got the chance. I can't promise you anything about tomorrow. But right here, right now, you do. You've got the chance to sign it up. Let God take control of that process and building your life into something beautiful. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, in this room, online, we want to discover more and more about the vision that you've got for our lives and our stories. But Lord, we also don't wanna rush past an opportunity to set the record straight to give it over to you completely, regardless of what we've been struggling with. So Father, in this moment, would you not allow us to miss a single second of it? Would you give us the ability to see and hear you clearly as we uh, continue worshiping you today? That maybe just maybe there's a step you're inviting us to take and we wanna be faithful to do that in this place. Would you give us hearts that are absolutely, positively set on fire for you as we close things down in worship today? We give you the praise, honor, and glory you're worthy of in Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, will you stand and sing?